Welcome to Pedagogue, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Pedagogue launched in 2019 with the goal of amplifying perspectives and experiences on teaching writing across institutions. For the most part, I feel like the podcast has promoted a wide range of perspectives across post-secondary education context. Starting out, my hope was for Pedagogue to be a platform that fills gaps in more traditional alphabetic scholarship which often privileges teachers situated in more research-intensive universities that have space and time to publish. I wanted the podcast to be a space that embraces and showcases experiences and knowledges from all types of classrooms for us to consider and think about what teaching writing looks like, what it means to teach writing in different contexts, from two-year colleges to historically black colleges and universities to Hispanic-serving institutions to private colleges, to small liberal arts colleges, to large and small public universities. Through all these episodes, there's still something missing. The voices and perspectives of teachers at tribal colleges and universities. I taught basic writing and first year composition at a tribal college as an adjunct for almost two years. And those students and classrooms impacted my perception and understanding of teaching more than any other context. There are currently 32 fully accredited tribal colleges and universities in the United States serving approximately 30,000 full-time and part-time students, according to the U.S. Department of Education. This is the eighth episode in a 10-week series that highlights tribal colleges and universities. In this episode, Alex Talent talks about teaching at Navajo Technical University, developmental writing, literacy narratives, indigenous approaches to teaching, and what he wished people knew about tribal colleges and universities. You know, I've taught for in developmental for 30 years, and I, after 30 years, I'm just getting to the point where I think I'm beginning to figure things out a little bit. And um, so um, I work with narrative primarily. I, I think narrative is extremely important. Um, when we start teaching other rhetorical forms, they become really abstract and maybe uh, almost culturally inappropriate, for example, argument. Alex Talent is an assistant professor of developmental English at Navajo Technical University. He has over 20 years experience teaching and working with Native American students of all ages. He served as the director of Project Venture for the National Indian Youth Leadership Project for five years, where he taught outdoor and experiential learning activities to Navajo and Pueblo young people. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. You teach at Navajo Technical University. Can you talk more about your institutional context? Sure. Um, I I teach in Crown Point, New Mexico, which is on the Navajo Reservation. Uh, I live about 60 miles away and I commute. I've been teaching at Navajo Tech for um, 15 to 20 years. Um, and uh, I've been working with... Uh, in, and various learning environments with um, Native people for 25, 20, almost 25 years now. Um, so I, I, it's been a blessing in my life. Um, the people uh, have taken care of me, and um, I, I don't think I could have fit in uh, in many other places. Um, uh, but, but anyway, back to the nitty-gritty. Um, our students are probably 98% Navajo. Um, we do have a, a branch campus on the Zuni Reservation, 
And the Zuni people, I believe, want to start their own tribal college. So they're kind of piggybacking with us. Um, so I do have some Zuni students, um, but mostly Navajo, um, a small percentage of African-American. Most of them have been married into Navajo families. Um, once in a blue moon, we get a white person. Um, and um, uh, we have a very diverse faculty. Um, we're a STEM school, so, uh, and I'm in the humanities, so the the part that our president's really trying to develop uh, is uh, STEM research-oriented university. Um, so we have people from all over the world, uh, from the Middle East, from Africa, from India, um, teaching the STEM courses primarily. Uh, in my department, we've got a, 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 across the um, branch campuses, maybe um, 10 or 12 people that teach um, writing. Um, this semester, we have uh, about 20 um, first year classes that includes freshman comp, a freshman communication course, and then developmental. Uh, I've developed a, um, oh God, I can't even think of the word of it, uh, a special freshman comp class. Um, um, uh, I guess they, it comes out of the co-requisite movement. Uh, I, I was opposed to the co-requisite movement originally. And over the last five years, um, I've seen it evolve, and um, it's it's a complicated uh, issue. Um, most of our students are tested um, with a standardized test, um, AccuPlacer, and um, and the AccuPlacer focuses a lot on um, the conventions of writing, grammar, etc., which many of our students or weekend, so they frequently get misplaced. Um, a lot of my students in developmental don't need to be there, um, but their linguistic heritage is, and historical heritage is complex. Uh, and so uh, sometimes in terms of rhetoric, um, they don't really take to um, European uh, rhetorical approach. So that's something I've been working on. Indigenous rhetoric uh, is sort of a, a thing that uh, we've been talking about for a couple of years. Alex, what guides your approach to teaching writing or, or what are some pedagogical values or ideas that you want students to take from your writing classes? You know, I've taught for in developmental for 30 years and I, after 30 years, I'm just getting to the point where I think I'm beginning to figure things out a little bit. And um, so um, I work with narrative primarily. I, I think narrative is extremely important. Um, when we start teaching other rhetorical forms, they become really abstract and maybe uh, almost culturally inappropriate. For example, argument, um, or um, if we call it a complaint or whatever. 
it carries negative connotations for perhaps people who aren't trained in rhetoric like we are. Um, and uh, so I do a lot about with storytelling. Um, and then uh, I have some notes here. Then uh, I, I combine um, the Diné philosophy of learning uh, into the course. Uh, and this is just a really rough uh, philosophy in Navajo culture. Um, and I can't pronounce the words real well, but they're four words. And uh, basically, they are think, plan, implement, and reflect. And so those form sort of a pedagogical, it fits in real nicely with the writing process. Not perfectly, but nicely. Um, then uh, I take a lot of, um, well, in indigenous rhetoric, the values of knowledge are different. And so a lot more credence is given to personal experience, to spiritual growth, to psychological development and emotional development. Uh, so narrative works with those. Well, that's not to exclude all the other rhetorical forms, but I'm dealing with first generation, first year writers. Uh, and so once I get them comfortable working in narratives, it's much easier to transition into the other more Western um, uh, abstract forms like argument, uh, comparison, uh, comparative analysis, or whatever. Um, then I've also studied Native writers, particularly Mamaday and Scott Mamaday. One of the most important things I've learned from Mamaday that I incorporate in my class is totally foreign to most Europeans, but the idea of grace. And grace is essentially a sense of gratitude. And so native ideologies or philosophies are very positive. Uh, but then the world we live in is very negative. And so you, you have all of this these mixed signals. So I always tell my students, you know, to in their essay, to view whatever knowledge they have as a gift as, and to be grateful for it. And they really uh, are comfortable with that. Mamaday's a really good example. Um, and then um, I developed a theory on my own. I call it Frybread Theory for narrative writing. And basically, um, this happened in a class. My was trying to figure out a way to teach my students the building blocks of narrative. And so I used the metaphor of Frybread. And so the different ingredients in fried bread correspond to the fundamental elements in narrative writing. For example, the bluebird flower correlates to event description and sequencing. Um, the water correlates, um, I, the, the thing gets mixed up in my head. The water correlates perhaps to dialogue. Uh, the baking powder correlates to figurative language and the salt figures to uh, fi uh, figurative language, if I haven't already said that. So I basically have four elements that make up a narrative that correspond to the ingredients of Freiburg. So what really happened in this class that was so cool was one of the students said, you know, there's a fifth element, a fifth ingredient. And I go, what? And he says, love. And 
And then I said, yeah, man, you're exactly right. And love correlates to the thesis that infuses the bread. The bread, I don't know if you're familiar with fried bread or its history, but um, the uh, uh, the love behind the bread is the source of everything, you know. And so that that really works with them. Uh, and um, so I use that. Uh, and then I have I work with elements primarily. And I work with the number four. So I have, in the Western tradition, I have four elements too. And after they get comfortable with the uh, indigenous uh, approach, then I, I begin showing them how I, I was taught. And the elements I talk about there are focus, uh, development, unity, and can't think of the other one. Uh, focus, coherence. Um, and um, so I talk about those and um, they correspond with the fry bread elements as well, but that that's um, that's much further down the road if we get there. What text and writing assignments do you use and how do your students respond to these texts and assignments? I, I use, uh, I don't use a text. I use my own, um, whatever I have gathered. I use a lot of my own student writing too. If I get a student who really gets into an essay, they usually develop a great model and the students learn from that. So I would say at least a third of my material is generated by students from previous classes. Then I do Mama Day, I do Simon Ortiz, I do Sherman Alexi. Um, I do Alice Walker, um, Langston Hughes, uh, Martin Luther King, um, and there are others, uh, uh, but mostly non-European uh, writers. Uh, I'm trying to think of, I used to teach, I just quit teaching, um, Bury my heart at wounded knee. I use that as a text uh, in my developmental classes. I let the class determine that, and depending on how well the class jives. But I always um, in developmental is I focus primarily on narrative, uh, almost exclusively. I might do some compare contrast, um, and um, then um, I might begin to. I, I don't believe in using MLA or APA style, so I teach students in-text citation and just writing it in. And um, um, so that's the direction I go into. And then um, probably the genre I rely on most is compare contrast, or I call it comparative analysis. Um, and, then, um, and then after that, I... I look at native writers and I just, I, for example, I give them an essay by Winona LaDuke and I say, write me an essay like she just wrote, but from your own cultural perspective, you know, and they, they're usually really good at modeling. And so um, that's probably, the, I could do anything if I have the right models. Um, so I do what's called um, a literacy Damn, I can't think of these. <laughs> uh, a literacy narrative. And so we look at uh, Malcolm X uh, learning to read, 
Uh, we look at Frederick Douglass learning to read and write. And then we look at Sherman Alexi, um, Superman and Me. And these are all three literacy narratives. And, and so what I asked them to do, I said, take a quote from this and tell me why you think, and write me out a paragraph of 150 words, why you think this is interesting. And I've talked to them about literacy narrative and um and so on and uh so and then i tell them like with the first assignment i say place the quote at the beginning of the paragraph and then this for malcolm x i'll say place your your quote when you're developing your paragraph in the middle of the paragraph and then when we get to sherman oxy i say take your quote from sherman oxy break it up and distribute it throughout your uh, paragraph so i give them very specific instructions. Now, 90% of them follow it. Some of them don't, and I don't criticize them for it. Um, and then I, I, I saw so we build an essay paragraph by paragraph. After they build that, then I tell them, I want you to write a synthesis paragraph in which you take all three writers and you combine them uh, in one paragraph for discussion. And then you either end the essay with that or you'll write a formal conclusion. And then at the very end, I have them write the introduction. Uh, but all along, they know that they have to tie these things all together. Um, and so that's that's what I do in my freshman comp class for their first essay. Uh, and then after that to me is, and I teach, you know, I, I teach them taglines, how to do introduce the quote, I explain to them bibliographical information, uh, things like that. And then sometimes we might generate a bibliography at the end of the essay, and I'll show, I'll format it in MLA style. Uh, but I don't waste a lot of time on MLA and APA because I think it's wasted time um, for developing um, thinking skills. Alex, what are some challenges to teaching writing at Navajo Technical University? So um, the the challenges are with the students primarily. Um, they um, they live in a very rural environment. If we have any kind of precipitation, the roads are terrible. Um, so they live they they're under all kinds of psychological and emotional stress. And most people misread that as, um, for example, if someone comes in late uh, regularly, um, I, I, I've had to deal with instructors being harsh and rude to the students. And the reason the students coming in late is because they've got four children and they have to wait for a, a babysitter or a family member uh, or they have challenges like that. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Many of the families have all kinds of problems with substance abuse, with poverty is a huge problem. Uh, people are it's so rural that if they own a vehicle, it's a truck. And I drive 60 miles one way to get to school. So to get to any kind of job, you have to drive. So it's they have so many um, socioeconomic challenges it's it's daunting and so your whole um when i first started i thought oh no this is crazy and you know i can't handle it but then you just have to be patient understanding 
uh, with the students. So you have to, and that's probably the hardest thing for most people to understand because we come from a different tradition. Uh, a lot of people don't really believe in historical trauma, but um, but it's here, you know. Um, so. so my challenges are my own stupidity and ignorance, uh, you know, and um, Navajo people are gentle and kind. Um, and so, you know, um, I've learned as much as I can from them. Um, what do you enjoy the most about teaching writing in your institutional context? Students will come up to you and thank you. Um, you know, that means a lot. You know, I've I've read thousands upon thousands of stories that they've told, you know, from their lives. And, um, and then when I see my students succeed and graduate, um, and then every now and then, you know, there'll be a shout out. And the Navajo Reservation is a beautiful place. Um, I mean, it's got a lot of sadness and cruelty, but... Um, just I drive through Red Rock Canyons over eight thousand foot passes and um, see elk and wild horses and um, things like that. Um, I I guess I never fit in anywhere. Um, in nineteen seventy three, I read "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee" when I was fifteen, and it blew my mind and I decided then I wanted to have something to do with native people. And, and then along the way, I got distracted from that. And then just, it seemed like magically I found myself here. Um, and um, I, um, it, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's like a home you know, I mean, even though I'm not a part and I never can be a part, it's as close to a place of belonging. Native people have an interesting concept. Um, when I learned this by reading Winona Duke, um, the land doesn't belong to us. We belong to the land. And um, so in a sense, I feel like I belong here. Um, into in this place, and I've been made to feel that way by the the Navajo people and the other tribes here who have been incredibly kind to me. Um, I've just not worked with the Navajo. I've worked with the, some of the pueblos, and um, and I've worked in different contexts, uh, the public school system, um, and. Um, and then um, an organization called the National Indian Youth Leadership Project, which is sort of like an outward bound version of um, a Native American version of outward bound for kids. You know, um, I was a climbing bum for a long time. Um, and um, when I got out of college, I said, to hell with this world, it's stupid. You know, so I said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And at the time, I loved to uh, rock climb, mountain climb, ice climb. And so for about 10 years, I did that. And then I got tired of 
being poor and um, went back and got my master's degree and then somehow wound up, you know, without making any plan to be here, I wound up here. Alex, this is my last question. What do you wish people knew or understood about tribal colleges and universities? Uh, mostly about um, the, the students um, that um, they're, they've got so much weight on them that literally it's like they're carrying 50 pounds of psychological, physical weight compared to us. And they have been trained by history to accept failure. And so when they're um, being tested and they fail, it's not because they're not smart. It's because they've got this sort of, um, in Sherman Alexi, uh, he talks about a man who committed suicide and that they, people can taste the defeat in the water. And so there's this, um, and that's not like they've given up or anything, but, um, you know, they're, they expect their, I, I don't like to talk about it, but, but failure is embraced. Uh, and again, these come from Sherman Alexie's writing also, you know. Um, and so we've got to try um, to, to work uh, with them by understanding them. And so the tribal colleges, that's a, a whole another entity. Um, I was real lucky to work with some of the found early uh, people who worked with starting the uh, colleges, uh, tribal colleges. And um, sometimes we fear that they're trying too hard to be like other colleges uh, that are universities, you know, uh, and that they've forgotten um, about the little people. Um, Thanks, Alex. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.